At BIC, the Voice of Ithaca College, we prioritize diversity and inclusion. We are working to ensure that more voices are heard. We support and will continue to support the Black Lives Matter movement and victims of police brutality and racial injustice. We've heard you. We support you. We must advocate for change. Black Lives Matter. If you found $20 on a walk, you would think that's a lot of money. If you had to read 20 books for your class, you would think that's a lot of reading. If you had to stay awake for 20 hours straight, you would think it's a lot. But on the weekend of April 16th, four VIC radio DJs are going to show that staying awake for 20 hours is easy by staying up for 50. This year's 50-hour marathon benefits the Ithaca Children's Garden. More information at 50hours.org. As the midterms roll by and the tests and quizzes pile up by the day, if you feel like you're a little in over your head, consider finding yourself a free tutor and the ithaca.edu slash tutoring page online, getting yourself matched up with someone in whatever classes you need, and working out times that fit around your schedule so that you can focus on your schoolwork. You are going to remember where you were right now for the rest of your life. How can you not be romantic about baseball? You're listening to On the Mound with Max Tanzer, Matt Salsler, and Tommy Muma on BIC Radio. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to On the Mound here on VIC Radio. Matt Sossler joined by Max Tanzer and Tommy Muma. It's a privilege to be back with you guys here after a few months off. And a few months off during the summer, not the optimal time for a baseball show to take hiatus. But uh, to start off, before we dive into the big tilt from last night, uh, a lot of summer experiences for the three of us uh, working in summer collegiate ball. And, Tommy, I'll start with you in the Cape League, Falmouth Commodores. Uh, how was that experience? Oh, it was great. I mean, I loved every minute of it. It's great to, you know, and you guys have done it for a couple summers, but to cover a team day after day, uh, that's what we all want to do, right? And it was a great experience. I loved it. And if you had to pick one guy on your team who you think we'll be talking about on this show because they're playing for the New York Yankees in three years. Who would it be? Oh, that's a tough one. I might have to go with Chris Armstrong from Florida. Power from both sides of the plate, and uh, he plays a good first base as well. And Max, you have a new ring on your finger. Champions with the Cirrus Valley Sabredogs of the Expedition League. First off, how's that experience? And if I had to talk about one player in three years because they're playing for the New York Yankees, who would it be? <laughs> New York Yankees, what are we talking about? Seattle Mariners here. No, uh, it was a tremendous experience. It was super fun to go back, and I was fortunate enough to follow them all the way through their championship run, their first in their franchise's history. And it's fun when they're winning ball games every single night. They won 21 of their last 25 games, including sweeping the playoffs, which was truly remarkable. A player that I think that definitely could uh, get a little bit of taste of professional ball is Stephen Moretto. He was our third baseman this year, Sacramento State product. Was in the top three in the NCAA in extra base hits last year. Uh, really good power bat from the right side, but an even better defender in my opinion, and that's saying a lot because he really swung it well, especially down the stretch for us. Is a guy who got an offer from the Cincinnati Reds, actually, uh, to be an undrafted free agent, uh, but did decline it because he wanted to finish school, so he's still hoping to get an opportunity to play professional ball after this season, but he was really fun to watch. 
Yeah, a lot of good ball players that we have seen this summer. And one that I'd like to point out from the Kenosha Kingfish of the Northwoods League is Justin Janis, first baseman from the University of Illinois. Not only is he the Big Ten batting champ, but he is the Northwoods League batting champ. Hit 400-plus in both the college season and the summer ball season. Just a guy with great vision, great plate experience right there. Could slice the ball, could pull the ball. Really, really good at locating his spots. We don't talk about that enough. Guys who can go gap to gap, hit the lines, get those extra base hits. Also had a couple of long balls as well. And then you mentioned defense. Uh, saved a couple of games, including one from uh, Tommy's favorite team in the Northwoods League, the Kokomo Jackrabbits, on a hard line <laughs> drive at first base. But, uh, yeah, Janice, I expect uh, we'll be seeing some good things from him in the future. But now we talked about the guys we may see in the big leagues in a few years. Let's talk about the big leagues and what happened last night. Obviously a big game in Queens, not only on the baseball perspective, but the history perspective as well. 20th anniversary of 9-11, and we saw some parallels in that game from that September 21st game back in 2001. However, this time it was the Yankees coming away with a victory instead of the Mets. That was obviously over the Braves back in that return game, but a very, very cool game no matter the result. And Tommy, I'll let you speak on this one first. What are some of your takeaways? Well, I thought it was great all around. I think they did a great job of the pregame festivities uh, to honor the first responders. And, um, you know, I I thought it was a great night. The energy in the crowd was incredible. We watched the game together, Matt, and it it had a playoff atmosphere. It was great. And uh, the game itself was as as exciting as it could have been. I mean, Aaron Judge with a couple of home runs, Brett Gardner getting in on the action. Like you said, James McCann hitting a home run, your old friend Javier Baez hitting a home run. So, um, you know, it was really an exciting game and a great night for baseball. No doubt about that. And then James McCann, too, a catcher for the New York Mets hitting a go-ahead home run. A two-run shot, too, with a runner on first base. The only thing that was different was the inning. (laughs) Exactly, just like Mike Piazza in 2001. And I think one of the bigger themes in this game was obviously uniting New York, and we saw that in the pregame festivities where all the players came out, gave each other hugs. I thought it was cool to see uh, Anthony Rizzo give Javier Baez a hug, of course, both of them being traded from your Cubs, Matt. But that's what was special, and obviously you have a lot of Yankees fans there, and of course it being played at City Field, a lot of Mets fans as well. The entire city being united, while at the same time enjoying quite a ball game, a back-and-forth tug-of-war affair that really encapsulated both of these teams' seasons so far, I think, which has been a roller coaster ride, particularly the Yankees the last couple of months or so but that was this game in a nutshell right here back and forth back and forth the Yankees jump out to a big lead five nothing top of the second all of a sudden they're thinking that they're in good shape and the Mets bounce back with three runs in the bottom half and then that James McCann home run as we mentioned uh, giving the Mets the lead, and then Aaron Judge comes back, his second homer of the night. On Fox National games this year, he likes to hit multi-home runs. He did the same thing in the Field of Dream game as well. Uh, but good stuff for the Yankees. That's a much-needed win, snaps the seven-game losing streak. Is They're still in a wild-card spot right now. Yeah, I mean, you said a huge game for the Yankees. I mean, considering that the Blue Jays, and I'm sure we'll get into this, but, um, you know, they swept the doubleheader, and while... This was very important in terms of what it meant outside of baseball, Um, an important game as well in the standings. And, uh, you know, big for the Yankees to break that losing streak. And, you know, I'm hoping that they can keep it going, but we'll see. Yeah, definitely a big game for both these teams. I talked about it with you, Tommy, uh, last night, I believe. I said, you know, this game is going to be a pivotal one because you said that playoff atmosphere and then also – The Yankees seem to have a little bit of history following big marquee games that are out of the unusual that are played on Fox on a Saturday (laughs) night. The last time they lost a game, honestly, 
If it was a walk-off, I think Tommy would be in a better mood today because the last time the Yankees lost on a walk-off in a nationally televised game on Fox prior to last night, they went on a 13-game win streak. That is true. That came oh so close in yesterday's game. Wouldn't have been a walk-off, but Pete Alonso, I think if he's playing in any other ballpark, especially in the Bronx, that's a three-run shot to give them. That's the lead right there in the eighth. Looked fantastic off the bat and landed not even on the warning track, but, I mean, City Field. We were talking with a big Mets fan, roommate, and a fellow VIC uh, sportscaster, Jaden Becker, who started chanting, we moved in the fences uh, when Pete Alonso did that, and I think they might want to move in the fences a little bit more. They might have won that ball game. but uh, final thoughts on the 9-11 tilt between uh, New York and New York. It was it was great, and, you know, a former VICWICB alum, Matt Price, probably loved that one with the Yankees <laughs> and the Mets. Being... I don't know who – here's the thing, though. <laughs> Someone has to lose. Someone has to well, lose. Well, someone did lose, and that was the Mets, and I wonder how he felt about that. I feel like that's his perfect game right there, right? Literally. Yeah. We we like the 27 up, 27 down, but for Matt Price, the Yankees and the Mets, I'm sure he was on the edge of his seat the entire ball game. but I'm sure that was just fantastic for him. Now, not only to add to the fact that both of them are in the playoff race right now, it couldn't be better. This is paradise for him. But uh, not quite paradise if you're rooting for both of these teams right now. Of course, the Yankees, as Tommy mentioned, in a tight wild card spot right now. Those Blue Jays yesterday, Tommy, they were in a tough spot against the Orioles in both of those games of the doubleheader. The Orioles actually had the lead in the seventh inning of both affairs, in which it's seven inning games with the twin or with the twin killer, or with the doubleheader, excuse me. And unfortunately, the Orioles could not hold on to those leads. And now those Blue Jays are tied with you guys in a wild card spot. Are you getting nervous? I'm wondering here. I am a little worried, and when you take a look at the schedule, I mean, the Yankees' final three series will be very important. They're going to be playing in Toronto, in Boston, and then home against Tampa, so that's going to be big. Uh, But, I mean, they've played incredible the past uh, week and a half or so, the Blue Jays have. I mean, you take a look um, at both games yesterday, right? Down three in the seventh in game one. They come back and win it. And then uh, they're down one nothing going into the seventh in game two, but they put up an 11 spot there in the seventh, and it just shows how good their lineup truly is. I mean, Bo Bichette with the go-ahead home run, and then they just poured it on. But uh, they're a really good young team, and uh team we'll be hearing from a lot moving forward. And before we go further into the playoff race, let's do a quick little rundown for the listeners. American League East right now. Tampa with a massive lead over the second-place Boston Red Sox. That won nine games. Not entirely sure what Tampa's magic number is, but I'm sure it's dwindling down as the days go goes on as we only have about two weeks or so left in the regular season. And the Red Sox at second place, nine games back. A game ahead of the Yankees and Blue Jays at 10 apiece. And then Baltimore, well, let's just say they can start worrying about the draft next June. Uh, <laughs> moving on over to the Central, similar situation. The White Sox... Uh, counting their days until they can have the champagne showers at guaranteed rate field. Cleveland at 11 games back, Detroit 14. Again, I think two through four in that race can start prepping for next season at this point in time. And then in the West, Houston has a five and a half game lead over Seattle and Oakland. Both of those teams vying for wild card spots. And then Los Angeles and Texas, similar thing, can start uh, thinking about which golf club they're going to (laughs) use in two weeks uh, when they hit the links. And now over to the National League. Atlanta holds a three-and-a-half game lead over Philadelphia. New York finds themselves five games back. And then Miami and Washington can start thinking about which winter coat they will pick when they go skiing in early November when they hit the mountains. 
in the NL Central, Milwaukee holds a 13-game lead, so the rest of that division, uh, again, can start thinking about where their vacation spot's going to be for uh, Thanksgiving break. And then in the National League West, tight race, two-team race basically at this point in time with uh, the Giants and Dodgers two and a half games back, and then San Diego, Colorado, and Arizona nowhere near. And I want to talk about this National League West before we move back to the American League. Early on in the season, before the season, we thought that this was going to be a San Diego-Los Angeles race. We were talking about 19 times. The winner of that series wins the division. I don't think any of us hit on that one. Let's talk about this National League. The <laughs> Giants surprising everybody. Like We thought the Giants would be a teetering team on that second wildcard spot. And we also thought that not only would they be a second wildcard spot, but they would be 25 games back of whoever held that first spot. But... They're surprising everybody, and they show no signs of slowing down. No doubt about that, and it's been truly remarkable. I think coming into the year, like you mentioned, there were some hopes that the Giants would be able to push for a wild card. Up till game number 60 last year in 2020, they were eligible for a playoff spot on the final day of the year. But what's interesting about this Giants team is they didn't really make a splash this offseason in terms of free agents. They brought in Anthony Desclafani, Alex Wood, who have been two key contributors this year. But besides that, it's mostly been their returners, guys like Brandon Crawford really stepping up and putting up what's been an MVP caliber season. Of course, he's not going to win it, but he'll probably finish top 10 in voting. Evan Longoria went healthy, bounced back, and was really a pivotal part in the front half of the year. Brandon Belt, Buster Posey, the list goes on. This is the 2012-2014 patch of Giants players who I think everyone almost forgot about in a way because they were getting older to the back end of their careers, fading off a little bit. Injuries played a role as well, but they've really bounced back in a big way. And then you look at the pitching side of things. Bringing back Kevin Gosman was a very underlooked move. They gave him the qualifying offer, which was probably around around 16 to 18 million dollars and people were wondering why are you doing that but Kevin Gosman had a very good short 60 game season last year and he's picked up right where he left off 14 and 5 with a 2.65 ERA 201 strikeouts and 170 innings of work and then you pass it off to Desclafani, Alex Wood, Logan Webb, the list goes on their bullpen with a lot of Again, guys that you may not know, not the sexiest names in the world, have been really stepping it up this entire year. And for a long time, you guys, I was waiting for the Giants to sort of fall off a little bit. I didn't think they could sustain this success, but they've easily been one of the best teams in baseball, if not the best team in baseball over the last couple of months. I agree with you there, Max. I mean, never would I have ever thought that they'd be here. And I also was expecting around the all-star break, because you see some teams that they'll have a good first half and then they fall off a little bit, but they've kept the pelt to the gas the whole way. Uh, 42 games above 500 right now. And, uh, you know, they're on a six game winning streak. They continue to impress. And um, yeah, their run differential is plus 173. So they're playing well in every facet of the game. And it's been fun to watch. Yeah, definitely something to look out for. And we talk about the wild card game and how important home field advantage could be here. And looking a brief in the American League, that picture's a little bit clearer in terms of who could be hosting. And it very, very well could be Yankees, Red Sox, either in Fenway or in the Bronx. And that could easily dictate who wins that ball game. And looking at that race right now, Again, Boston and New York, Toronto, one and two. Toronto and New York tie for that two spot. How pivotal are these next couple of weeks for both those teams, not only to try and get into the postseason, but to try and be sure they bat second come the wild card game? Oh, I think it's incredibly important. And I mean, you know, you're starting to see which teams could be in it, but there's still a lot up in the air. I mean, in terms of who could be hosting, I mean, 
you could even have a Blue Jays Mariners wild card <laughs> game at this point. And, you know, I would think that either the Yankees or the Red Sox, at least one of them would be in there. But I You mean, hope the Red Sox make the playoffs? No, I don't hope. I just think that one of them will be. Um, but, no, I mean, there's still a lot up in the air. And, you know, not to mention Oakland, only two games back as well. So, I mean, there's a lot of different scenarios here and a really tight race, and it'll be interesting to see for sure. What really jumps out to me, too, and I think I was talking to you, both of you guys about this the other day, yeah. is it seems like a lot of the teams in this scenario right now, the Blue Jays, the Yankees, the Red Sox, the Mariners, and the A's, maybe besides the Blue Jays, aren't have had opportunities the last couple of weeks to run away with this wild card right here, but they have not been able to take advantage of games against poor teams and have been losing a lot. Obviously, the Yankees the last couple of weeks. I know the Red Sox have had a lot of COVID issues as well. Sale just recently being placed in the COVID aisle, which is a huge loss for the Red Sox, at least for the next week or so. But no one has really been able to take advantage of it and run away with it. And here we are now, two weeks to go. And like Matt said, or I think it was Tommy that said, it could be a Blue Jays-Mariners and A's Blue Jays wild card game for all we know. Is Literally coming into yesterday, Saturday evening, the Mariners, the A's, and the Blue Jays were all at least a game back of the Yankees for that second wild card spot. Fortunately enough for the Yankees, they were able to pick up that win. But with how hot this Blue Jays team is, and if you take a look at the strength of their schedule here down the stretch run, it is looking very likely to me that the Blue Jays could sneak into this playoff spot right here. And they're a good team to do it. They have good pitching. Robbie Ray has really stepped up. That was really their only question mark here coming into 2021. And their offense speaks for itself. A plus 152 run differential. Their expected win-loss record through the Pythagorean theorem is 86-56 and 56 make that. So they're actually under. I love the Pythagorean. Slightly. And win percentage. That is the best stat in all of baseball. Anyways, continue. <laughs> but yes, you're right. But they're actually underperforming according to that. So I think this is just the beginning for them. And I think they're a team that if they get hot in the playoffs, they can make a pretty deep run for it. I mean, I'm not going to say World Series. I don't know if their pitching is deep enough to make that run through the entire postseason. But they're a scary team for sure. They're breathing on the necks of the Yankees and the Red Sox. And it seemed like there was a little bit of a lull for them in the middle of the season where I don't want to say they took it off because obviously they were pushing for it. But ever since they got back to Toronto, they have slowed been rising and rising uh, and here they are now and I think that I think they're a favorite to be in that wild card game I don't know if they'll host it or not but I think at this point I'd almost say Blue Jays make it and then it's either the Yankees or the Red Sox I agree I mean it's gonna be tough and like I mentioned the Yankees schedule is pretty tough down the stretch other than the this next week or so because I know that they play the Twins in a makeup game then Baltimore then Cleveland, um, and Texas is in there as well. I think they're uh, right after Cleveland. So uh, the Yankees have the opportunity to gain some ground here before they have, you know, a tough final three series. But, I mean, this is what you want, right, as a baseball fan, exciting baseball down the stretch, and it'll be great. Another race, too, that I think is really interesting as the National League wildcard race, too, because I think the American League one, there's a lot of headlines there because you have the potentiality of a Yankees-Red Sox wildcard game. But if you take a look here, we got the Reds, the Cardinals, and the Phillies all within two, two and a half games of that wildcard spot right now. In fact, the Reds are tied with the Padres for that wild, second wildcard spot as we speak. Technically speaking, the Padres actually have percentage so if the season ended today. It would be those Padres, but... That's five teams right there as well in the race right now. And within two weeks, it could look completely different. We don't know. But that's what's the best part of this right now. Yeah, and we'll have more on uh, the National League wildcard race and everything that has to do with the National League in just a few seconds. It's a very exciting race here as we enter middle September 
in the Major League Baseball season. But until then, we'll step aside for a few seconds. You are listening to On the Mound here on VIC Radio. When the red flashing lights on a school bus come on and the stop sign comes out, you must stop. In New York State, you cannot move again until the red flashing lights go off and the stop sign is retracted, or until the driver or a traffic officer signals it is okay to pass. You must stop even on the opposite side of a divided highway. If you decide it's okay to risk a child's life and pass a stop school bus, you could face fines or even have your license revoked. Is it really worth it? Always obey the school bus stopping law in your state. And welcome back to On the Mound here on VIC Radio. Matt Sosler joined alongside by Max Tanzer and Tommy Muma. And guys, we teased the National League races uh, prior to this commercial break. And now let's talk about it a little bit more, Max. You mentioned uh, the tight wildcard race for that second spot. Elaborate a little bit more on that, and then I'll give some thoughts on uh, what that game could mean, especially considering that you'll have a pseudo-division champ hosting that ball game. Oh, no doubt about it. I mean, currently as we speak, the Dodgers and the Padres hold spots one and two. Dodgers are running away with it. In fact, it's probably either going to be those Dodgers or the Giants, the one team that doesn't win the National League West. Dodgers have a 15-game advantage in the Padres now for that spot. Padres at 74 and 67 are in sec- or have that second spot. Right behind them are the Reds at 75 and 68, who have been on a little bit of a run, have lost six of their last ten, however. The St. Louis Cardinals at 72 and 69 are two games behind those Padres. And the Phillies, 72 and 70 two and a half games back of that wild card spot as well. And then if you want to get cute here, the New York Mets right on their tails as well. Four games out, 71 and 72. Not going to say it's impossible, but it's going to be tough for them to make a run here. But they're still within reach. Yeah, definitely a good picture here for this wild card game. And the the one thing that I teased earlier is that you have a pseudo-division champion hosting this game. More likely than not in L.A. or San Francisco is where this game will be played. And we saw this in 2018 with the National League Central and the Cubs and Brewers who wound up playing a game 163 for the one seed and the regular season title in the National League. And the loser has to come back the next day and play further season. And how do you think this season that dynamic is going to be different from 2018? And the main reason is Chicago and Milwaukee kind of got lucky in a way that it was Chicago and Milwaukee in game 163. No days off. Wrigley Field and Miller Park, or whatever it's called now, uh, about an hour, an hour and a half away from each other, maybe two hours with the, the traffic. But that's easy. Now you look at this situation where it's going to be not only that, but you're going to have either the Dodgers or the Giants finish, based on my quick glance, probably 15 to 7 games ahead of whomever they will play, whoever the – well, actually, they'll be traveling to each other. Right? Is that is that my math correct on that? Yes, they will. So they'll have to be traveling to that champion yeah, and have and not have home field advantage in the division series. So that's something interesting to keep in the back of the mind. No days off, basically, especially if these two teams go to a one sixty three, which I think there's a good chance of. Yeah, and let's say, for example, I'm just putting out a hypothetical here, but let's say the Phillies and the Padres tie for that second wild card spot. And let's say the Phillies have the head-to-head against the Padres. I don't know if that's the case on the top of my head. The Phillies would have to travel to San Diego. Then if they win that, go back to L.A. for the wild card game. And then, of course, go to San Francisco or wherever it may be after that, which is a little bit easier. A lot of airline miles exactly. on this one. And, and no tough. days off. And that's sort of what the Cubs had to deal with when they – or excuse me – that was the Rockies, what they had to deal with yes. going from L.A. Because well, they had a 163 too, didn't they? They did. They yeah. had they ended their season, I believe, in Colorado, then went to L.A. 
where that game won 63 against the Dodgers. The Dodgers won that, so the Dodgers won the division. The Rockies then go to Chicago to play the Cubs in the wild card game. Rockies then beat the Cubs and have to go to Milwaukee. So again, it's not the longest distance, but you're traveling to three or four different cities in the span of about, what, 48 to you know 60 hours or so. And that's a lot, especially playing in high leverage games. Exactly. A lot of intensity, and you're putting all effort into I mean, it's games. not like that, but you're playing a game seven lineup for five days in a row, but for an entire two weeks, basically. Yeah. Even though you have how- the, even though you have the September call ups, or at least back at that point, you had the September call ups. Now the roster limits are a little bit more strict, but you can't play your B roster, otherwise you're not going to get there. So you have to play every game, basically like it's your last, and then you have to put up the airline miles and do all that, and that gets very very tough when it comes to this point. It'll be interesting to see. How that impacts, because also you could have a 163 for the West and then a 163 for that second wildcard spot. We could see a stunt double of what we saw back in 2018, yeah. which honestly is more entertaining. You could see it in the AL, too. Imagine Re- if we a- got- Yes, we could, yeah. we could see that. Could you imagine Yankees, Red Sox, 163 for that second spot? Oh, my That'd goodness. That would be something. That would be, that would be pretty special. You could get Yankees, Red Sox, and the Mariners, yeah. and the Blue Jays could get involved. We also get, talk about pitching depth, too, because if you get thrown in 163, especially with the way the Cubs had it, the good news with that is the th- thing that will be different, though, is in the American League, if that were to happen, if it was for the second wild card spot, loser goes home. Like the thing that the Cubs and the Brewers thought about in their 163, yes, if you win, you get a massive advantage. You get home field advantage throughout the National League playoffs, and then you also are not playing for your lives the next day. But at least with the Cubs, they were able to roll with Jose Quintana in game 163. Obviously, that didn't work out. And then they rolled with Johnny Lester in uh, the wild card game. <laughs> But you have to think about it, especially with the New York Yankees, well, even the race right now is out in Garrett Cole. And if you're in that situation, and Max, I'll let you go first, and then I'll have time to answer the question. What do you do if you're Aaron Boone in that situation? Do you run Cole in 163 and then hope for the best in the wild card game? Or how does that work? So I think it's pretty unique, actually. And I was going to actually allude to the situation with the Rockies and the Dodgers and the Brewers and the Cubs in 2018. That one was more unique because they have both clinched playoff spots. This was just to decide who goes to the divisional series and who has to play in that wild card game. And in that situation, you almost wonder, are you playing your 100% A game? Of course, you're trying to win that game. But you have to remember, if you lose, you have a season, your season's on the line the next day in the wild card game. So I feel like almost... You take the gas foot off the pedal a little bit if you go to an early deficit, right? Like, let's say, for example, I don't know, you're pitching Jordan Montgomery out there because that's all you have because, remember, there's no day off in between. If he gets rocked out there, you might just ride him through that game, rest the bullpen for a potential wild card game the next day. But in the Yankees-Red Sox case that you brought up, that's just for one wild card spot. One team season is ending that night, and I think you just have to ride with whatever you it's got. two wild card games, have to. Yes, and I think in that scenario, though, you have to go with your A guy. And if Garrett Cole is rested enough and, you know, if he has at least three days of rest, you got to ride him through that game 163 as long as you can because you got to get to that playoff spot. You can't take a step back and then risk potentially losing your entire season when their payroll is already through the roof. They're, this is their win-now window. They are trying to win a World Series this year, right? You have to get there first, though. I agree. I mean, you have to survive in advance. I think you got to go with Garrett Cole, and he will be healthy, I think. I think they're pretty optimistic about the fact that the hamstring is okay, but, you know, we'll see how that responds. But you said it. The Yankees' pitching depth is not where they'd like it to be right now. I mean, when you're putting Andrew Heaney out there, who has struggled mightily, and, you know, it almost seems like Aaron Boone's throwing in the towel, like, uh, <laughs> you know, in certain games, not not as a whole, but... 
Um, you know, I mean, they're definitely struggling in terms of depth and, you know, a lot of questions as to who's going to be back. Domingo Herman, is he going to come back? Is Luis Severino going to come back? And, you know, if those guys come back, then they do have a little more depth, but, you know, that's a big if and we'll have to see, you know, time's running out for sure, but, um, yeah, it'll be a big challenge. And for the Yankees, too, going into the playoffs, and again, I don't want to get too far ahead of ourselves here because they do have to get into the playoffs first, and that is sort of a question mark now at this point, which would have shocked the entire country if you told anyone that, you know, back in April when we were doing our first show on opening day. We would have, I would have. Did we all have the Yankees? We have have to roll back to that script to see who had which team winning. I think we all had the Yankees making the playoffs. I think think someone had, one of us had Tampa. Honestly, I'll, I'll might have been you, I think, I think I was pretty high on Boston, too. I'm not going to. I think I, think I was. Were, I think yeah. I was. But either way, do they have the pitching depth to get through the entire postseason? I don't know. Probably not. It's going to be tough. Yeah. Some guys are going to have to step up. That's going to be the case right there. But it's a very different looking Yankees team from the last couple of years. And I think that's what's scary because there's a lot of uncertainty. I feel like when the Yankees have gone to the postseason in the past, there's confidence, right? Judge has been able to get healthy right before every single time. You guys have had a deep bullpen. The last couple of years, one of the best bullpens in baseball. Now it's the complete opposite story. It's the offense that's really going to have to step up here to make up for that, the lack thereof in your pitching staff. And that's really where the question's going to be. And I think, look, you got to get hot at the right time. And I actually remember, I haven't talked to you about this before, actually, but I remember yeah. a couple weeks ago, not to call you on the air, but you said, <laughs> I hope the Yankees kind of get cold now because I oh, want us yeah. to get hot during the playoffs. And this was I right did. during the 13-game winning streak. And I don't think you were ex- asking them to get this cold right I here. I was not. You know, what, the last 10 games, they've lost seven of those 10. But at the same time, if they could stay in this race right here and then by the last week start to heat up again and play the Yankees baseball we saw at the beginning of September, end of August – who knows what kind of run they could make. For sure. And to Matt's point earlier, I think last night's the type of win that you can definitely build off of. And you look back to that and say that's the point where things turned around. Because a playoff atmosphere against your rival in New York, and, um, you know, they played great. They battled back the whole night. And obviously the pitching isn't the way you want. But like you said, the offense is really going to have to carry them uh, as, you know, the pitching depth is being tested. And, you know, last night they came out ready to go. They had a lot of different contributors. Stanton with a couple hits. Kyle Higashioka, backup catcher with a big home run. Brett Gardner getting in on it. And, um, you know, I think that's what they're going to have to do the whole way. You have to have uh, contributions from the whole lineup. But, um, you know, to get back to what you were saying, I think that, yeah, they, they could get hot at the right time here. And uh, you never know what could happen. Yeah, you never know what could happen. And before we... Move on to something else that you never know what could happen. Any final thoughts on the successful teams in Major League Baseball? It's fun. <laughs> I love it. It's better when there's more teams involved. I'll tell you that. The last couple of years, it seems like everything's sort of been decided and solidified You know, by this point in time when you're two weeks into September. But at this point, we don't even know who's winning the AL East. You know, I guess the Astros and the White Sox are running away with their respective divisions here. But we still got, you know, a ton of peripheral teams outside of the wild card spot right now that could be playing in that big winner go home game. So that's that's what we're asking for. And we got it. Yeah, no, I I agree 100 percent. I mean, this is what you hope to have every year. You hope to have teams. Uh, close and battling, and this is what we got. I mean, preseason, like you said, we didn't expect. I believe that baseball prospectus had less than a 1% chance of the Tampa Bay Rays making the playoffs, or maybe it was just going uh, to the World Series. But, I mean, you take a look at the, the type of year they've had, and this has just been a great year for baseball. 
Yeah, 100%. And it's been a great year for a lot of teams, a not-so-great year for a lot of teams as well. So stick around here on the mound. We'll take a quick break, and when we come back, we'll take a look at some teams who will have to decide whether to use their sand wedge or their driver on the first hole in a few weeks. So stick around on the mound here on VIC Radio. At VIC, the voice of Ithaca College, we prioritize diversity and inclusion. We are working to ensure that more voices are heard. We support and will continue to support the Black Lives Matter movement and victims of police brutality and racial injustice. We've heard you. We support you. We must advocate for change. Black Lives Matter. <clears throat> VIC Radio. Hello. Hey, what's up? How are you? Good. Good, you know. It's so typical of me to talk about No, like, no. Tell me what you want to hear. That's why, you know, that's what radio DJs do. Take requests and, you know, are you, you're still talking. Okay. Sounds good. We take requests. Call in at 607-274-1059 or tweet us at VIC Radio. At VIC, the voice of Ithaca College, we prioritize diversity and inclusion. We are working to ensure that more voices are heard. We support and will continue to support the Black Lives Matter movement and victims of police brutality and racial injustice. We've heard you. We support you. We must advocate for change. Black Lives Matter. Welcome back to On the Mound here on VIC Radio. Matt Sossler joined alongside by Max Tanzer and Tommy Mumon. Guys, we've gone over the teams that might be playing baseball until they need their winter coat. And now we're going to go through the teams that might need to start going through their coat closet in a couple of weeks. Teams that will not be making the playoffs. Teams that will be looking forward to uh, hoping that they have some uh, prospects that can do some damage in the future. And... Guys, if you had to pick one team that you got to be really concerned about or a team that needs a really big offseason to find themselves back to where they should be, who would they be? Tommy, starting with you. Well, I mean, I, I think the obvious picks are the Orioles and the Diamondbacks. I mean, two incredibly tough years for them. And, you know, the Orioles do have a lot of promise with that farm system, but uh, I'll, I think they'll start to turn it around. But, uh, you know, those are the obvious picks. For me, one that, and I think a lot of people would agree with this one, has to be the Colorado Rockies. I think in terms of direction, we've seen where they're going in terms of trying to get into a rebuild, obviously selling Nolan Arenado and so forth over the last couple of years. But they've continued to make questionable decision after questionable decision, and they're Obviously, is no intent to win there right now, or at least this year. But what's so strange to me, we even saw there was all of this news generated by the fact that they were going to move Trevor Story, right? Because his contract is up this year. There was, without a doubt, in our minds that the Rockies aren't going to re-sign him. And he probably doesn't want to extend there after all of the Nolan Arenado drama. But the fact that they did not move on from him, they kept him for what was two months of irrelevant baseball. And I didn't think it was going to increase their... You know, revenue in terms of attendance um, and ticket sales over the last couple months by that much. And now all they could do is offer him a qualifying offer. He'll probably decline, and then they'll get a conceptory pick. But besides that, they're 65 and 78. They've been tremendous at home. 
45 and 27 at Coors Field compared to 20. Well, I mean, that's kind of road. expected. Exactly. <laughs> My point being, though, is there's not too much direction with this ball club in terms of what we're seeing in the future. Their farm system doesn't rank too high. They've sold essentially every single one of their stars besides Story. And Story was the one time they were probably asking, talking about the fans, they were probably asking the Rockies to sell their star, and they couldn't even figure that out. That's where I'm sort of... I feel like they're in a gray area, and I don't know where they're heading. Obviously, they're going to rebuild, but I don't know what their timetable is moving forward and when they're going to actually start to try and reset. I think that they need to sort of mix things up in the front office, to be honest with you, as it seems like there hasn't been sort of an intent or a commitment to winning besides 2018. You could even argue that there was a lack thereof then, too. Yeah, my team that I'm going to go is sort of a similar situation to Colorado, except this team actually sold all their stars and that's the Chicago Cubs. However, I'm not too optimistic about that. And the reason why is because I mentioned it during uh, prior episodes of On the Mound. I do not think that the ownership is interested in baseball anymore. I think they're interested in everything else. They got the ring. They made the fans happy for a year. And now they're going to try and maximize on the business side of things. And we see it all the time. We saw it when they traded you Darvish to uh, San Diego. That was sort of the first domino to fall. And then when they started out the year on a very good note, and then they threw that no-hitter, and everything went downhill from that. And I actually have a story about that no-hitter real quick. So we were in Battle Creek, Michigan, myself with the Kenosha Kingfish. We were playing the Battle Creek Bombers, which is, a let's just say Battle Creek. It's the home of Kellogg cereal. It's Sounds amazing. Yeah, it, it, it sounds amazing, but let's just say— I've heard great things about that. Yeah, it's an interesting place, <laughs> Battle Creek, Michigan. So we're in Battle Creek, Michigan. We're playing a scheduled doubleheader. That's two in games. The first one was at 1 o'clock. The second one was slated to start, I believe, at 6 o'clock, you know, normal start time. And so we were able to get the one the first game in, I believe, yes, Kingfish won that ball game. So that was a good start to the day. And that just starts downpouring. Downpouring, downpouring, downpouring. And Battle Creek is the only park in the Northwoods League that does not have a tarp. So if it rains for 15 minutes, done for. So it's raining for 15 15 minutes. The entire right side of the diamond is a lake. (laughs) And it's to the point, and not only do they not have tarps, they don't have tarps. They don't have quick dry. Oh, no. They don't have oh, rakes. No. So they're not prepared. Does it rain a lot in Michigan? Unfortun- the Unfortunately. So they're not prepared for this? <laughs> yeah. It's it's not what you want, as Joe Girardi would say. But anyways, <laughs> I digress. So, Oh, no. It, long story short, ga- game's called. And that allows the team to get back to the hotel early. You know, that's the one positive of having a postponement. You get You get the night to... You know, just relax, chill. You're playing every single day, so it's not the worst thing in the world to have a night where you can just relax and not have to worry about baseball. So the plus side is we get back to the hotel early, and I'm sitting in a hotel room with our field manager and diehard Milwaukee Brewers fan, Mike Picaro, hitting coach and diehard St. Louis Cardinals fan, John Hasser, and uh, pitching coach and diehard Los Angeles Angels fan, Quentin McGrath. And so, obviously, you have an interesting dynamic. You got Cubs, Cardinals, and Brewers all in the same room. And obviously, whenever you know the other team's game is on, it's always two against one, no matter the situation. And so we're watching the game, and we're just we're just talking to each other, like, "What if this happens? What if this happens?" And I'm just waiting. I'm like, "It's a no hitter, no hitter." So eventually, they throw the no hitter, <laughs> and I'm like, "I, I want I'm going to show off." I'm like, 
got a Cardinals fan in here, got a Brewers fan in here. I am going like this might be my only moment to like, you know, because the Brewers were doing a great job at that point in the season. The Cardinals, the Cardinals, and so I had my W flag in my suitcase for some reason. <laughs> I don't know why it was there. I must have left it in there from because the trip before. We actually – it was a double trip off and off day, so I must have had it with me for some reason. And so I go to my bag. I take the W flag, and I start running around the hotel room with flying the W flag. And then what happened the next day and the next two weeks, they haven't. They didn't win a game. So that was the end of <laughs> the, the Chicago – The Exactly. Oh, the, that, uh, the that's the why, rain delay. That's why you only fly it when they win the World Series. <laughs> so the rain delay helped them win the World Series in 2016 – but then ultimately oh, destroyed true. their 2021 season. That's some symmetry. Indirectly, yes. Indirectly. Wow. The thing is, it wasn't a 17. And you were involved. You were right in the a, middle it, of this. Exactly. The thing is, it wasn't a 17-minute rain delay. It was a 17-hour rain delay. But <laughs> That'll do it. That'll yeah, that's an inter- interesting story about how the Cubs season uh, took a turn for the worse. But anyways, back to the baseball. You know, they sold everybody. Hopefully they can get a couple of bodies back in January. At least one of the three they traded. Maybe if you include Kimbrell, one of the four. But you know, magical out of it. Which yeah, like, it got know. magical out of it. But the thing with that trade is that I initially heard reports that it was going to be Hoyer and Crochet, and I'm thinking, okay, arm for an arm. You know, you basically do that. You got a couple more years on Crochet. Crochet's got a good arm. He's got a lot of upside. I'm fine with that trade. The Sox get their win now. The Cubs get their win in two or three years. But then I heard uh, rumors about Magical, and I'm thinking. It's kind of an interesting decision considering Madrigal's out for the year. That middle infield right now is looking pretty good. You have Sergio Alcantara and Nico Horner when they're both healthy, plugging up those middle spots. Patrick Wisdom can play third. Kind of interesting that you choose to go that route and then sacrifice your bullpen. So we'll have to see what they think. Also losing Theo Epstein due to a planned resignation. Uh, I honestly think it was the first domino to fall before you Darvish left town. But they have a lot of work to do, and I honestly think it could be another 10-year plan for the Chicago Cubs. And uh, hopefully they can find a way to at least be relevant. Frank Schwindel's done a good job coming on the scene and uh, really tear it up since uh, he's had to fill some massive shoes in Anthony Rizzo. So we'll have to see how they do. But... Overall, I think, you know, they got to wait until the likes of Ed Howard. He comes up. A lot of their guys in Myrtle Beach come up. They have a guy from UCLA, Chase Strump. That might be his name, second baseman. Um, But until they come up, I think they have a lot of work to do. Yeah, and I I think that it's realistic to think that they could get get things back and swing it again back maybe four or five years from now. I could see like a fairly quick rebuild. You know, like the Mariners, for example, stepped back in 2019, and here they are in 2021 already competing for a wild card spot. That's well ahead of schedule, but their plan was around 2022, 2023-ish. I think for the Cubs here, especially the types of prospects that they got back from these trades, a lot of them are Brink guys who are, you know... They're 18 the, years old. Well, those in the Darvish trade, yes, but a lot of the guys like your Madrigals and so forth and your Horn, and Horner, who you still have and so forth... Those are guys that are going to be coming to the big leagues already, if not next year. And I think that you could sort of potentially hope to see a window open up maybe around 2025-ish, which wouldn't be too far from now. Yeah, but the one thing they have to be worried about is pitching here. They do have Justin Steele, who is going to be a guy who I think could be an opening day starter, if not next year, then the year after, because I think Kyle Hendricks is sort of... The thing with Kyle Hendricks is he can only throw so many years before people start to figure him out. So we'll have to see how that sort of works out, but you know, Once he you, loses they, the command. Yeah, they went from a rotation that imagine the rotation they had last year: Lester on opening day before Jose Quintana. I think he like cut it like badly cut his hand doing something off the field, but it was 
Darvish, Hendricks, Lester, Quintana, and then the fifth spot was up for grabs between Alzale and Mills. But and that was a rotation that won the division. And then they cleaned house Great after way, that. Yeah. yeah, and they cleaned house. Honestly, I'll start it off with that non-tender of Kyle Schwarber. Slowly all the uh, off-season moves come back to mind. But, yeah, so we'll see what happens. But I think they still have a few more years left to go. And those are the teams that are not doing uh, very well in Major League Baseball. And who is the biggest concern? Which team do you think? has to, you know, if you're a fan of that team, don't expect anything anytime soon. Ooh, okay, I was going to take a different route to it. Like, the the way I was going to look at it is a team that I expected to do well this year that might be in a little bit more trouble than we thought they were. And I had a couple. I thought the Padres were interesting to think about that because they've spent a lot of money and haven't been able to stay healthy. But if you look at it, their farm system is still quite deep. Mackenzie Gore and Ryan Weathers still haven't really come onto the scene yet as starters. Have Mike Clevenger coming back next year. I think the Padres will be fine in the long run. However, it is concerning that they spent you know, more money than they've spent in their franchise's history, arguably, and they haven't been able to put up the season that everyone expected them. They might not even make the playoffs. Another team that's interesting to me is the Cardinals because they were a team that I think a lot of people chose to win the National League Central this year. Obviously, going out and getting Nolan Arenado have always had one of the best defensives, has always had one of the best or deepest pitching staffs as well. Uh, but they've been very up and down this entire season, only three games over 500. Garnered they are two games out of a wild card spot. The, win different, or the run differential, excuse me, at negative 22. However, they have allowed 604 runs to 582 runs scored this year so far. I think they're a team that definitely has some work to do this offseason that definitely has a window opening up right now of course you extend it Nolan Arenado and Paul Goldschmidt long term you have Yachty and Wainwright coming back next year so I think they want to win now as soon as they can but they've absolutely underperformed this year and they've already spent a lot of money which concerns them a lot for me yeah I mean you know the team that I have I think this has been an issue for many years now and it's the Los Angeles Angels. Yes. I mean, they have two of the most electrifying players in the game in Shohei Otani and Mike Trout. And, you know, given Mike Trout is out right now with an injury, which has been an issue for him in his career, um, you know, they have Anthony Rendon as well, David Fletcher. Um, they have a lot of really solid players, and, you know, their pitching hasn't been up to par, and that's been the issue for a while now. And I think that is a concern because when you're putting this much money into, you know, say three players with Otani, Trout, and Rendon, and you're not getting it done. I mean, they have to build around them, and, um, you know, their run differential is minus 70, which, you know, certainly not what you want, but, um, you know, I think they definitely have to figure it out with these players because if they're not going to win with them, I don't think it's going to happen for a long time. Yeah, I agree with you. I was going to go with Los Angeles as well. I think just the talent they have and the fact that, if they're unable to, like you said, if they're unable to do something with these guys, then they might have to start fresh, and who knows how long that could be, especially with guys like Mike Trout getting a little older. His value in trades goes down a little bit. Not not to the point where you're not going to get anything good out of them, but to the point where you're not going to get those top guys, especially with injury concerns. And with that, we'll take our final timeout of the hour. When we come back, we'll have all our locks and picks. One of the bright side about being on a Sunday morning is baseball is just two hours away. So stick around here on the mound. Missed that last song? Want to check out our music blog? Well, then log on to www.vicradio.org. 
see our daily schedule, take a look at our wide selection of specialty programming, and learn more about our annual 50-hour marathon. That's BICRadio.org, your online home for the best of what's next. La la la, I love to ride my bike so I can feel the wind through my hair. Hey kid, wear a helmet! No way, Grandpa, because then I'd look like an idiot. Ah! The majority of bicycle deaths are due to head injuries. Helmets reduce the odds of a head injury by 50%. Don't be a dummy. Wear a helmet. I'm getting a catcher's mitt. I'm getting ice skates. I'm getting a jigsaw puzzle. I'm getting dying coral reefs. A blue bicycle. A walkie-talkie. I'm getting a severe drought. Cool block skateboard. I'm getting melted ice caps. A killer heat wave. A shrinking glacier. I'm getting a devastating flood. Adults are generous. We're even giving kids global warming. But it's not too late. We can still reduce greenhouse gas pollution. Go to fightglobalwarming.com. Brought to you by Environmental Defense, the Robertson Foundation, and the Ad Council. And welcome back to On the Mound here on VIC Radio. Matt Sossler joined alongside by Max Tanzer and Tommy Mumla. And guys, like I mentioned, it's Sunday, and the pro about doing a show on a Sunday is that baseball is just a couple hours away. The first battle starting just after noon here on the Eastern Time Zone is Detroit and Tampa. But guys, who is your lock here for a game today? Max, let's start with you. All right, I'm going to start with you. All right, I'm going to start with you. All right, I'm Phillies over the Rockies today. Now, Aaron Ola on the mound is a guy that the Phillies need to step up. And if it weren't for Zach Wheeler, I think the Phillies are in a much different spot right now. Wheeler, of course, a Cy Young candidate this year. Nola, a 4.57 ERA, has had a roller coaster of a ride of a season as well. Has really struggled getting deep into ball games this year, particularly third time through the order. But he's facing a struggling Rockies club who happens to be playing on the road where they do not excel, to say the least. Feltner will be on the mound for the Rockies as well, who's 0-1 with a 22-5 ERA. But, of course, that's a, that a smaller sample size as well. Phillies need a win, big time. They need a win down the stretch here. Their schedule is not difficult, to say the least. And I think they need to take advantage of that. And that starts here with games against teams like the Rockies. I'm going to go with the Tampa Bay Rays over the Detroit Tigers today for my lock. I just think that the Rays, you know, they're really uh, playing well. And... Uh, you know, the Tigers are not. I mean, it's as simple as that. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, they're my lock for today. Yeah, I'm going to take a similar route that you did, Tommy. I'm going to go with the Atlanta Braves over the Miami Marlins. Freed's on the hill for Atlanta. And you know, similar situation. Braves are playing good baseball. Marlins are not playing good baseball. <laughs> and I think it'll be a nice Sunday in the park for Atlanta. And now flipping sides of the aisle, moving on to an upset for today. Tommy, let's start with you. Who's your upset pick? I'm going to go with Cleveland over Milwaukee today. Uh, After the no-no? I know. I, that's why it's an upset. <laughs> I think they're going to bounce back. Uh, is it Savali, how you say it? Yeah, on yeah, the yeah. Hill? He's having a pretty good year, 10-3 and three with a 3.25, and I think that he's going to pitch well, and uh, the bats are going to wake up, and Cleveland's going to beat Milwaukee today. 
All right, here we go, Matt. We're going head-to-head today because my upset is going to be the Marlins over the Braves. That's right. Even with, even with Max Fried on the mound, who's great, of course, 3-4-2 ERA clip this year, Edward Cabrera going to be looking for his first big league win. He's the number four prospect of the Marlins organization. A lot of praise for this young man. One of the better change-ups in all of professional baseball as well. He's gotten roughed up in three starts, and ERA just a bit north of seven. But the Marlins were able to beat the Braves yesterday, play a little bit of spoiler here, and this is going to correlate with my Phillies pick here. I think this is going to allow the Phillies to gain a game on this Atlanta Braves ball club who they trail by a few games for the National League East Division lead. So my upset, Edward Cabrera getting his first big league win tonight. Or today, I should say. Yeah, my upset pick, gotta go with Justin Steele and the Chicago Cubs. I sung his praise earlier. The Giants have been absolutely dominant, but I think that Justin Steele, it's Sunday. You know, Sunday is always kind of a tough day to predict baseball games because you got a lot of guys on the bench after those Saturday night games. And I think that the Cubs will take this one. I don't see him getting swept by San Fran. And I think Justin Steele shows uh, San Francisco uh, who he is. And this might be uh, one of his breakout parties here late in the season. And now moving forward, or should I say uh, moving backward, I mentioned that no-hitter from last night. Let's get into a little no-hitter conversation for the last uh, (laughs) three or so minutes. We've seen a plethora of them this year. And on the show earlier in the baseball season, we thought we'd have one every week because, honestly, we did have we every week. We were yeah. on pace for one every single week. And we mentioned, like, moving the mound back, de-juicing the balls, making a bunch of rules. I even – it was me that suggested the first half, second half. But that, I don't think that was for no hitter. That wasn't for no hitters, right? Was that it? was for the shorter season, I believe. Yes, 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 yes. But anyways, no hitters. Another one, and we've had a couple – Within the last month, Arizona having won a few weeks ago. Do you think that the sort of slowing of the pace of no-hitters normalizes it? Or do you think that because we're still having a lot that something should be adjusted? I don't think it feels as outrageous as it did in the beginning of the year because obviously they did mess with the balls a little bit, of course, with all the... Uh, substance rules being brought into play here. So the pitchers aren't dominating as much. Psychology, too. That's probably a part of it. I mean, look at you, Darvish, for the Padres. Ever since they implemented the substance rules, his ERA has skyrocketed through the roof. I think after, since they implemented the rules, his ERA is north of six in that span. And I think that definitely plays a role into it. However, that's the ninth no-hitter of this season. It takes away the special uniqueness part of throwing a no-no to me. And that's why... Honestly, Burns and Hader combined for the no-no yesterday, and like I was, I was cool. I watched it. Also, it's a reason why it wasn't our leadoff topic today. Exactly, because it's like it's it's normal. It's like a complete game shutout. Complete game shutouts are more rare at this point than no hitter. There's in the to add on to that, a lot of these are combined no hitters too, so they're not even complete game shutouts. But it does. Now, is a complete game shut? Would you rather have a complete game one hit shutout or a combined no hitter? Combined no hitter, yeah, maybe, yeah. Oh, that's tough because complete game shutout could rest the bullpen a little bit. Exactly. From a manager's perspective, now now that the no hitter has sort of lost its luster, (laughs) even the Yankees had a no hitter. I'd rather have a no hitter though, which would be special. The Padres finally got their no hitter. They had never had a no hitter in their franchise's history. And I remember Joe Musgrove. I was sitting in my dorm room here a couple months ago in April, and I was ecstatic. I thought it was so cool to see Musgrove throw the no hitter. I think we didn't we have a show the next day following that. We We did. did. Yes, we did. All of a sudden, here we are, first semester of our junior years here in September of 2021, 
and we see Corbin Burns, who arguably could win a Cy Young this year, one of the best relievers of our generation, and Josh Hader combining to throw a no-hitter. It's nothing. It's like a classic 3-1 victory on a Tuesday night. And the two worst teams in the league have had no-hitters. Baltimore, which you were there for. You I saw was at the John, John Means no-hitter. Exactly. I didn't even remember that because it just <laughs> it doesn't feel the same. And that's what's so disappointing about it to me. I mean, the Indians have been no-hit three times this year. The Mariners have been no-hit twice. Yeah. It's, it's tough. Yeah, so Cubs have a no-hitter. Yankees have a no-hitter. It's only a matter of time. Well, yeah. the Mariners have been no-hit. They were involved in I mean, they've in been, one, they, they've so. been involved. So that, well, also, out, right? to be it's fair, right. to be fair, the Mariners still hold the title for the last perfect game. So, a long, so, long and that, that was a long, long time ago. You know what's crazy about that is there were three perfect games that year, and that was when I was, like, you know, the beginning of my baseball fandom. Yeah. So I thought perfect games were fairly, you know, yeah. uh, prevalent. But, no, it's been ever since 2012. And we haven't had one since. So, so can you believe that? Well, I mean, that, honestly, when I say this, I think there'll be a perfect game today. But you know, wow. next next year you got Edward the, Cabrera. Perfect. Game. I mean, next wow. year, next year, next year you got all the ten year celebrations of you know Matt Cain's perfect game, Phil Umber's perfect game, Felix Hernandez's perfect game. So we'll have to see if. Uh, I'm fine if Felix. Uh, I mean, who's the Seattle PA <laughs> announcer? <laughs> Tom Hutler. We'll see if Tom Hutler says. And now here's Felix Hernandez on the anniversary, tenth anniversary of his perfect game. He was the last one to do it. Or will we be here next week 